Welcome back to Nerd Geek Dork, our podcast where we talk about the nerdy, geeky, dorky side of things. I'm Pete the Retailer, and as always, with me is L. Adam. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? How are you? you weren't talking <laughs> to me? talking to everyone else. No, you're talking to them. All right. Um, this week's episode, it's a, it's our first foray into a, into a world that we all know and love pretty well. It's uh, uh, We decided to finally tackle a, a Star Wars topic. Uh, we're going to start out with Return of the Jedi. Uh, a gem of 1983, even though it was released two months before my birth, and I was much, much older when I saw it. But uh, I wouldn't call it the best of the trilogy, but it's a movie I hold near and dear. Well, we you know, we discuss uh, whether or not it's the best of the trilogy, I think, and uh, we have different points of view on that, pretty much. Uh, we talk about it with uh, our, our guest this week, Song, and Anthony, both of whom have been here before. You know them. And uh, I don't think we need to give you that much info on, on Return of the Jedi. If you don't know what Return of the Jedi is or who's in it, then uh, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. Yeah, you probably just don't care. Sad. Right. So let's just get into it and hear what we had to say on it. All right. First off, All right. yeah. Would would you kill me if I called it episode seven? I mean six. Sorry, <laughs> seven. Yeah, yeah maybe seven. seven. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like. You know, we all you all know. I don't like the episode numbers. Why do you dislike the numbers? Uh, just because it because they were not part of it. Yeah, it legitimizes. You know, I I have a like. I'm being a stick in the mud. You know, I, I don't. Do you uh, like to watch them in shuffle? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Just random scene. I like to watch that thing where there's all six at once. <clears throat> ah, yeah. That's amazing. Um, no, I, you know, I don't, uh, like, I don't even like referring to Star Wars as a new hope. You know, I just, like, I, I, I'm this kind of curmudgeon when it comes to kind of Star Wars purity. In, in, uh, I like as I've, when it was just hope. Yeah, yeah. It's not new hope. They changed the formula. Now it's all weird. My favorite was Star Wars Crystal Clear Hope. <laughs> I've I've expressed this before, but my my kind of controversial view on things is that in my perfect world, there's Star Wars, and then when the holiday special came out, they're like, "Wow, that's terrible! Like, no more Star Wars anything! Like, I'm willing to let Empire go! Like, I'll sacrifice Empire in order to rid, whoa, rid whoa, everything else, whoa, whoa, in order to cut off the flow like of everything." Empire. But we're not that's here to talk about Empire. No, okay, we're here to talk about the bathwater, not the baby. All right. The uh, well, depending, you might might be part of the bathwater, might be part of the baby. It's Return of the Jedi. Um, I just started to watch it again the other day, and uh, part of it might be, you know, could be ascribed to the fact that I was watching the, you know, one of the super special editions. I don't even know what it was one of the HD ones, so it's probably whatever came out on Blu-ray where they've made, you know, five layers of edits. But by, by this point, but uh, I mean, I was entertained because you know it, it's a, it's a very soothing kind of uh, almost like an ambient kind of. <laughs> tone to me but uh but I, I was kind of struck by how bad it, it can be but did you like it when you first watched it oh yeah i mean when i was eight i loved it because i feel like i i loved return of the jedi until the internet told me that i shouldn't that's yeah pretty much around that time period is when when 
people started to question it. I've always I've always loved it. In fact, I re- I remember that for a long time, Return of the Jedi was considered uh, better than Empire amongst most people. People always people always used to say Empire is the worst one because nothing happens in it. Right. You know? And up until I'd say the mid to late '90s, where people started paying attention to Star Wars again, um, Jedi w- became the most reviled. You know because you know we we I think that we had switched our our mentality in the way that we looked at movies at that point. You know, it, it, the end of the '90s was all about deconstructing the values that had become standard and and accepted in American culture. So that's we had all those movies like Happiness and Fight Club and stuff like that. That was right. like, hey, this doesn't work. Let's be grim and gritty all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and so grim Jedi doesn't fit into grit and grimy, grit grit and grimy, grim and gritty. Jedi I, is like I love grit and know, grimy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's act three, right? Everything gets good. Yeah. People are yeah, happy. But it's not, you know, it's not the tone necessarily. It's not the, you know, I mean, there's a lot there that's that's wrong. No, I was going to say there, it definitely um, is out of the three. It It's the introduction of silly characters, you know. There's no the, silly characters in general. Yeah, well, like Salacious Crumb, <laughs> uh, you know, the... Bib Fortuna, I hate to say that, but he's a little silly. The Gamorrean guards are kind of ridiculous. Um, the Rancor Keeper. Malikili. You know, which I don't understand why we had to watch him cry after the after Luke killed the Rancor. I mean, it just it makes Luke look like an asshole. But. Yeah, I know, right? He it's is like... an asshole, and that's also one of my favorite parts of the movie for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Luke is totally an asshole. I mean, the, when he gets up onto Jabba's sail barge, the way that he that he addresses Leia throughout that entire scene is just with complete and utter disrespect. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's just bossing it around and yelling at her. You know? Stop being chained to that giant worm. <laughs> I sent you to say, I sent you here to save Han. <laughs> I like, I like how you don't mention the Ewoks as being silly characters, Anthony. Well, actually, <laughs> no, well, see, I think I, all right. I actually, because you're a new father. No, no. I actually think <laughs> the whole Ewok scene is a lot, it's, it's a lot better executed than Jabba's palace. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there's a lot of things that happens in Jab, Jabba's palace. That's just it's ridiculous. Doesn't make sense. The whole scene when, when Leia rescues Han and then the curtain opens and you hear like Jabba laughing, Salacious Crumb laughing. I think Bib Fortuna is yeah. holding C-3PO's mouth, yeah. which doesn't yeah, make right. any <laughs> like he needs sense to move whatsoever. His mouth to talk. <laughs> it, 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 just, it's too silly. Then the introduction of Lando during Jabba's, in Jabba's palace when Lando lowers his mask so we know it's him. He's like, hi, I'm Lando. The whole time. He's like, I, I could have done something. but it, it's just, Jabba hey. actually refers to him as Lando, doesn't he? Is he like Lando? I, I've thought, always thought so, but well, not always, but you know, semi recently, I, I figured that out and I thought it was awesome. But uh, upon watching it this time, I thought he said something that sounded like that, but then uh, he was referring to one of the other guys, like Klaatu like or Nikto or something. You know, I, I learned to like the Ewoks a lot more when I realized that at the end of Jedi, they cook and eat all the stormtroopers. Yeah, that made, that made it much better as yeah, well. Yeah, that was like, all right, so good. Yeah. My, the whole thing about the Ewoks is that, you know, the Ewoks are, are kind of like, for me, an extension of what was happening throughout all the movies anyway. I mean, the the end of the end of Jedi, from, really from the moment that, that uh, the fleet comes out of hyperspace onto the second Death Star is just... Like, it's all gold to me from that point on. 
you know, and uh, I think that that what was happening throughout is that you've got this kind of outclassed small band of people who actually have a lot of spirit and a lot of hope and something to really fight for against something that seems completely insurmountable. And to me, it seems like it's always seemed like the Ewoks are like the purest expression of that because they have nothing. They've got sticks and ropes and stuff. And okay, yeah, it's silly to see, you know, uh, an Ewok trying to throw a bolo around a stormtrooper and hitting himself in the head. But what's actually going on there, them defeating an entire legion of his best troops who actually don't seem that effective really but um they do and so i appreciate that about the ewoks you know it's it's everything 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 comes to a head right there i think my only only problem with the whole ewok scene which sorry to cut you off i don't understand why they even care that the empire is there i mean is the empire even bothering them well they're building that they have that base (laughs) yeah the the shield generator um Yeah, but I mean, are they even bothering them, though? I mean, why would the Ewoks even, no, no. like, risk their lives? Uh, I think after C-3PO tells them the story. <laughs> With sound effects. Yeah, C-3PO relates the story and tells them how they're being oppressed, yeah. and, and then that's why they, they join up. Mm. See, but the, it's yeah. not... I, I agree that it's 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 kind of a microcosm, you know, a little, you know, a, a, a mirror of what's, you know, what's going on with the rebels versus the Empire, that it's these, you know... This small kind of ragtag band of furry creatures, but uh, but I I just never feel any danger because they undercut it with this kind of goofiness, you know. And it, again, it's not my you know the Ewoks themselves. It's it's not my main issue with it, but it just never feels. It doesn't feel like there's any you know there like in in Star Wars in in the trench run. I'm always just kind of like at the edge of my seat, and like the asteroid scene, you know, is is tense and it's dangerous and it's it's exciting. And then there's some you know. Speeder bikes? Uh, no, I, it's just not. You know, it's never. It doesn't feel like there's ever anything at stake. Mm. That's because you're not paying attention. <laughs> they keep saying what's at stake throughout the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> they can tell me about it, but I'm not feeling it. Can I go back to something for a quick sec? Uh, song mentioning how stormtroopers are pretty much inept at, at everything. Mm-hmm. You know who really got the short end of the stick? Jawas. Oh, mm-hmm. I was going to say Mofter Jared, but <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean Jawas are like the only. Guys who get decimated on out of the course of the movie by stormtroopers. That's yeah. true. N- nobody feels bad That's for them. True. Well, the the first rebel soldiers in the in the in Princess Leia's uh, ship in the beginning get pretty rousted, and so do the so do the ones in on the the Battle of Hoth. I mean, the the rebellion sort of gets their asses kicked right. for that entire true. battle. Yeah. You know? See again, and it feels like it. It feels like ah, oh, they're out insurmountable odds. But then in Jedi, it's just like, yeah, you know, and there's some insurmountable odds. But hey, look at that. He, he knocked himself out with a stick. Yeah. <clears throat> I think what was at stake for the Rebellion sort of took a back seat to the very interpersonal dynamic between the key players. Mm. You know, Luke and Vader and the Emperor and stuff became, you know, like the battle is really like, okay, here's the battle, but here's what's really going on. Right. You want this. See, even uh, I don't love that stuff either. Like it's not, really? you know, I don't feel that kind of how it doesn't seem as, uh, uh, again, well, I don't want to say dire again, but it doesn't feel like there's even with that, that there's a, a, a enough at stake that it, it's, I, I like it, but I don't, it doesn't, maybe it's the lighting or something about it just seems really like flat and, and not as epic as it should be to me. And part of it, you know, I, I kind of had a backwards experience with, you know, a lot, a lot of people our age kind of. Are, were the most familiar with Jedi because they went to see it in the theaters. Uh, and That was in 83, right? Yeah. I uh-huh. had just been born. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. maybe not you, but 
normal people. Um, <laughs> ouch. No, no, no. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of people, it, it's the one that they're kind of most, you know, they feel most kind of in touch with. Whereas I uh, I had bootleg copies of Star Wars and Empire on, on beta. And I watched them all the time. And that was those were the ones that I was most familiar with. So Jedi is... I did see it in the theater, but I'm kind of the least familiar with it. Like, as, as if you can right. measure how many times I've watched them all, which would be this ridiculous astronomical number, but Jedi would be a smaller astronomical number. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't see Jedi right when it came out. Um, my parents weren't that cool. But uh, it's probably, I would say, a few weeks after. And I still remember the just the emotion in, in the theater when uh, when Vader picked up the emperor and threw him over that uh, ledge. I just I remember like people just freaking out and it it's I mean for for that reason alone I can never you know Jedi it just it'll always have that place in my heart because it was just it was just an amazing moment for me to experience. Uh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I was I guess 9 years old. I, I remember being very confused watching Return of the Jedi when I was a kid because um, when I was at school, I think that I didn't see it like the first night or anything. It, you know, it was so popular at the time. I remember like I probably went a week a week after it had come out or something and the lines were like still all the way around the block. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but um, prior to watching it, this this kid that I went to school with, I think I was in third grade or something this this kid that i went to school with who clearly didn't understand what he was watching at all was telling me that in this movie mark hamill doesn't play luke skywalker but they had actually hired a robot to play the role (laughs) (laughs) i just remember being like in the theater like looking the entire time trying to see some sign that that luke skywalker was indeed played by a, a robot When the Emperor tells Luke, like, hey, this this uh, Death Star is operational, they should have blown up the forest moon of Endor. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Just blown it up. So that leaves Luke alone. Basically, the, then the rest of the movie is the same where, you know, uh, Wedge, Wedge and uh, um, I guess Lando both like co-blow up the new Death Star. And, Nine and they Numb. sort of float back to the Let's Rebels. Let's not forget about Nine Numb. Yeah, nine numb, and um, it that's it. And then it sets up episode seven, where it's basically like Luke and like Lando, Wedge Antilles, whoever's left, you know, General Maydean, who's ever who's ever else is around. General Maydean. <laughs> well, what if, what if he does episode seven as a a retcon? I mean, he's already right. retconned Star Trek, right? In a sense. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and we've all watched Lost, so. I mean, the potential for him to be like, it was all a dream or something. (laughs) The thing with uh, Star Trek is that it was, it was a retcon, but it was kind of an incontinuity glitch. You know what I mean? It was like a, like a. He created a divergent timeline. Right. He loves timelines. Right. uh, Star Trek can have that universe though. Star Wars is just, you know, pure fantasy. It can't get too sci-fi. Yeah. I I hope there's no time travel. That would be so sucky. I mean, I, I rarely say that. I, I love time travel in most things, but <laughs> come on, not not in Star Wars. Yeah, time travel would be bad. Um, Maybe uh, he can, somebody can slingshot the Millennium Falcon around Tattoo One or Tattoo Two and send them back in time to kill <laughs> Boshek or something. The new, the new Empire time travels back to uh, when the pod jettisons from the Rebel ship 
and they just blow up. All right. D2 and T3PO, and then that's it. And the rest of the movie is just about the Empire, like, blowing up planets. Yeah. It's like the guy, like, there's no life form, sir. Eh, shoot it anyway. Right. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah. Like, some guy, some other guy appears. Like, you know what? You guys should shoot that. Roll credits. Yeah. <laughs> that planet, I ordered a really disgusting cup of Jawa juice. I'm going <laughs> to blow it up. Imagine being not nine years old and being in the theater and seeing, you know, having seen... Empire Strikes Back. I mean, like, oh, Darth Vader is his father. And then you go see Return of the Jedi. And it's like, yeah, and Leia's his sister. And, uh, you know, she's got the Force, too. And uh, yeah. all this other crap. Well, we did, <laughs> we did experience that with Phantom Menace when we learned that Darth yeah. Vader made C-3PO. Yeah. Well, or with the whole, like, midichlorians thing and the, the kind of, you know, virgins in the Force. Like, that. it's like, it's all more of that. That's part of why I want to throw it all out. Because... Empire just opens that can of worms. Like, Star Wars stands by itself. You can't have Empire without it going somewhere. And where it goes is terrible. Uh, you, you know what's funny, though? I'm sure there's a lot of people who watch the movie. And when I get Obi-Wan Kenobi is the one that says your sister, right? Or was that Yoda? I can't remember now. Uh, Yoda uh, says there is another, another Skywalker. Obi-Wan says his sister, right? Right. Yeah. When people are like, I mean, do you think there are people like sister? Like, who is it? I mean, who else can it be but Leia? It's it's definitely not Mon Mothma. You know, like who else could it be? There's <laughs> think, no other females in the movie. I think it was standby ion control. <laughs> well, according to Gary Kurtz, uh, if you guys, uh, yeah, where he was saying, you know, like, look, you know, originally Luke's sister wasn't Leia. Luke's sister was some girl on a different planet, and he had to go, you know, like find her and, um, you know, rescue her. And I think. Or, like, Luke started to kind of turn to the dark side, and there was this whole thing with her. Wasn't she not supposed to appear until episode nine in the original, like... I think, you know, part of it... Well, who knows what goes on in, in George Lucas's mind, but I think, you know, part of it comes from, uh, you know, he made one and two, and they are successful, and then his wife left him, and he got into a fight with his producer, and the produce, fired the producer, or the producer quit, or whatever, and then it just all falls apart after that. Like, I think he had... You know, because there's those quotes from way back when where he says that there are nine mm-hmm. stories, um, no matter how much he tries to deny it after the fact. Yeah. He's like, eh, there were never nine, but he says there were nine. So so I think, it, you know, how much of that story did he just kind of compress and, and spit out because he just wanted to make another, you know, moneymaker to, to, you know, pay off his alimony or whatever? And how much of it is just he lost his creative spark because his life just kind of, you know, not fell apart, but, uh, you know, changed significantly. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking. Isn't it? <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> but that's why he filled it with teddy bears. Ah. Mm. Wow, that's... Or Care Bears, as what my wife calls them. Right. She's like, is that the one with Care Bears? I'm like, no, Ewoks. <laughs> or Ewoks. Bringing it back to th- things that I don't like so much. Well, I, I like Jabba's Palace, except it's, ri- it's just written badly. Also, like you said, it's just like, it's a terrible plan. I... I I was on another uh, podcast with the uh, the Ink Panthers show where we talked about how how just god awful their rescue plan is. It's just like, all right, you go and you get captured, then you go and you get captured, then you go and you get captured, and Lando will watch the whole thing, and Lando will watch, and then I'll come and rescue everybody. Okay. No, but I don't know. Luke had like an alternative plan after that with with R two D two. Like it was like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. We're all gonna end up on Jabba's skiff, and then R two is gonna you're gonna shoot my lightsaber at me and. It's like this whole other plan. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, how did he account for all that? Java could have just been like, all right, shoot them all right in front of me. Here, here's the way I look at it. 
Always in motion is the future. Mm. Whenever I think about that plan, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, we've all been forced to interpret the force in our own in our own way. Because, I mean, up until midichlorians, it was all pretty vague. Um, it was magical, you know. But, uh, I, you know, it's like when, uh, when Darth Vader's fighting somebody with a lightsaber, how does he not cut his cape? You know, well, the force. Right. How did, uh. How did Luke wind up finding his way into a, a vent on the side of that gigantic shaft that led him down to where Leia and Lando were flying by? You know, the Force. Mm. The way that I've always looked at that plan was kind of like, well, I've got a general idea of if we put ourselves in a in a position to win, then somehow the Force will make it all sort of happen for us. You know, let me cover all contingencies. Right. Let me stick this lightsaber in your head, R2. <laughs> also, on that, while on that scene, I mean, Star Wars did a great job of really hyping up Boba Fett to kill him in one of like the most anticlimactic ways possible. Mm. Yeah, which I, I'm I was fine with. I, I like that kind of you know they hyped. Yeah, it's it's like the you know the uh, people were complaining that Darth Maul died at the end of uh, Phantom Nazi. <clears throat> Spoilers if you haven't seen Episode One. Mm-hmm. Um, Aren't there aren't there um, expanded universe stories for both characters that they both lived? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Dengar yeah. saved so Boba Fett, the, the and then they became Boba best friends. Fett story is that Boba Fett was living down there for a while or something, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But then, but then Dengar, Dengar saved him. <laughs> right. And then Boba Fett was the best man at Dengar's wedding. <laughs> I am not even making that up. Like, I'm Amazing. serious. You're kidding me. <laughs> Wow, so they didn't have their costumes on. They're all in, like, whatever the Star Wars equivalent of tuxedos would be. Huh? Well, I, I hope they did have their costumes on and tuxedos. Episode 7 is going to start with that scene, actually. <laughs> There's basically three parts, would, would you say? I mean, two, like, two are kind of parallel yeah. by the end but there's basically three you know kind of scenarios going on that starts out with Jabba's palace you've got you know Tatooine mm-hmm. that whole thing which um, is not just an intro it's actually a pretty you know big chunk of the movie and then you've got uh, uh, Dagobah oh yeah Luke, Luke goes to Dagobah Luke goes and to Dagobah and the others go and start the you know what what kind of eventually becomes you know ties in with the with the third act thing like they go to Endor yeah. so you have the Endor, the Ewok uh, stuff, and the the kind of you know Han and Leia stuff, which I like. Space you know, battle. Yeah, don't forget Space my battle. man Akbar. Right. Well, oh, then, yeah. and then you have this kind of you know, it's it's not easy act breaks. I'm trying to just break it down into like first yeah, it's here, it's then it's here, of, then it's there. There's it's a lot it, of overlapping stuff. It goes in, in and movie. out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have a good one, two, three, but it's got a lot of good parallel action. I mean, like yeah. like Star Wars, the you know the act breaks are just like bold. It's just like oh, first they're here, then they get in a ship, and now it's Act Two, and then they get in a ship, and now it's Act Three. You know, the end of Jedi reminds me a little bit of um, what well Lucas was trying to do with the end of Phantom Menace, where you know there's the Endor scene luke and vader and the emperor the throne scene i guess space battle and then at the end of phantom menace there was a space battle with anakin there was like the scene with the princess and then there was also um like the gungans battle on the field with like the droids jeez i can't even remember their names anymore but um droids 
Yeah, but like he was trying to do the same thing in Phantom Menace, and I always like kind of appreciated that where it was. Oh wait, was there four? What about the uh, lightsaber scene with Darth Maul? Yeah, yeah, that's part of the the princess thing. It's in the same building. I mean, the queen. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I don't. I don't hate the Phantom Menace as much as as others do either. Like I, I think it has. It does hit. You know, some of the same notes. Yeah. Some might see that as you're like, oh yeah, it's kind of playing to the Star Wars thing, but others might see it as just like a rehash. You know, because those. Oh yeah, totally. I guess you now know what side I lean on with that discussion. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, uh, the same thing with Jedi, you know, where it is playing to some of the same notes. But then also, like, do we need another Death Star? You know what I mean? Like, why not? Yeah. You know, like, oh, the plot for this one is the same as the plot for for Star Wars. It's like, except it's, other than Wedge, it's a bunch of different people kind of blowing up the Death Star while you have, you know, this other stuff going on. Yeah, they probably could have just used the, uh, the large Star Destroyer, the Executor, I believe. Yeah. I think it's called Executor. Executor? Yeah. Okay. I knew it was something like that. They probably yeah, should have just know. used the Star Destroyer Executor. Oh, you just reminded me, and, Anthony. Um, yeah. Real quick, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to point out how amazingly beautiful I think Super Star Destroyers are. Yes. But that's all I had to say. Continue, um, Anthony. I'm sorry. I just I needed to get that off my brain. Oh, I was just going to say, because I know it was brought up by uh, Joe uh, regarding, you know, he felt that Jedi had a lot of repeated stuff. You know, like, oh, we're back on Tatooine, and here we are, here's another Death Star, and it just, there was nothing really so original, but yeah. I, you know, it's, that's the universe. Jabba the Hutt was mentioned in A New Hope, and in the special edition, you see him in A New Hope, I hate that scene, but mm. I yeah. like how he's just mentioned again at the end of Empire, and you don't see him at all for the first two movies until the beginning of Jedi. Like, eventually, I mean, Han Solo had this issue. Eventually, they had to go back to that. You know, I guess maybe he didn't need to, you know, have his palace on Tatooine, but... That was why Han was on Tatooine to begin with. Are you not willing to, to, to view the return to Tatooine as a sort of callback? Oh, I have no problem with that. I'm just saying, I know, you know, it was, it was brought up that... Tatooine and the Death Star were just, you know, like they were just an easy way out. Like why why Tatooine? Other than the fact, you know, Jabba, we know that he does business there. How would they have avoided Tatooine at the, by, with what happened at, on Empire? Jabba's an intergalactic businessman. He knows he doesn't always have to be in the same place. Well, You know, it's not like he... Like it, it, it's never like Jabba the Hutt who lives over there behind that hill, like right, wants his money. True. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, Jabba, like an international crime lord, right. who I'm, I'm assuming would travel. Yeah, hey, that's the reason why they made Jabba a giant slug monster, so that they could explain why they had to go back to Tatooine because right. Jabba can't move. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not like walking around. I must bring you to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at at the end of Jet, I, well throughout Jedi, like, the Empire needed something to make them, you know, make them feel like they were powerful or, you know, to make them scary. Right. Yeah. And I don't, like, you know, so Mon Mothma was, of of course, like, oh, we've learned that they have another Death Star, like, being built. And I'm not sure what else they could have done besides that. I don't, you know, I mean, they... Could have built two more Death Stars. They, see, they know how to build Death Stars. So what <laughs> another one? Yeah, the, the power to destroy an entire planet is kind of huge. Right. Yeah. But it's insignificant compared to the power of the Force. Yeah, it's, it's right. It is. I'm sorry. Good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I don't fault them for building another one. And I guess, it, you know, it does kind of make sense. Except for the fact that it was destroyed in a very similar fashion. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I feel like their first thing they did when building the second Death Star, they're like, quick 
fix that patch. We don't want that opening. They're like, okay, but we need to finish the rest of it first. No, just take care of that first. That's why the rest of it was so exposed. Well, there, there's the whole thing with the right the shield, which is on the that's why they're on the moon. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> plot wise, you know, plot wise, just the 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 main notes of the plot don't bother me as much as these kind of goofy little details and the uh you know the 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 leia thing really bothers me the 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 kind of you know like hiding behind the curtain at jabba's palace and that and all that like little kind of scenes that don't really drive anything you know they they give a little bit of exposition or a little bit of you know kind of supposed depth to the characters but they're not really i don't know it's got a lot of far though I do love Admiral Akbar. He's yeah. great. Yeah, there's some pretty there's some pretty cool obscure stuff in Jedi. I mean, yeah. Admiral Akbar is not obscure, but yeah, like for every detail, it's kind of cheesy. There's also like a lot of really cool little details, like but Admiral Akbar. Yeah, I love and that you're at the like ten Yeah, ten There was a really cool scene um, when they are about to attack the the uh, shield generator. I, there's a scene where one of the rebel guys starts to put on stormtrooper gear. I mean, that's stormtrooper. Sorry, scout trooper gear. And then when Han Solo left, when they all leave, the, like that building, and the Empire is like there with like the ATSTs and everything, and they totally like give up. This is right before the Ewoks attack. Mm-hmm. You see the guy, the the rebel, the rebel soldier, like it wearing scout trooper. Like ever like um a uniform but without the helmet on but th- there's like this small like little tiny thing in the background that I'm always like what was the what was the backstory of that I've never noticed that no, no. I need I need to go and watch that now. yeah, yeah. It's really cool the guy like I I, re- I just remember he has um a white beard I remember the white beard guy he looks like rock and roll from GI Joe yeah he does so when do you see him starting to put the gear on exactly before they go into that building. And then when they come yeah. out of the building and the Empire, like, has control of everything. This is right before, you know, C-3PO is like, we surrender. And then the Ewoks is out. <laughs> you see a guy standing there. You see a whole bunch of rebel soldiers standing with, like, their arms above their heads. And yeah. one guy is wearing a scout trooper um, armor. Wow. Nice. It's pretty awesome. The whole Java skip scene when Lando is hanging over, like into the Sarlacc pit. Why would Han Solo want to rescue him? That's my question. Uh, there was a, a scene that was cut out of um, of the movie for maybe time's sake or for you know fluidity's sake. That involves them all meeting back up at the uh, at the Millennium Falcon after the rescue, and it's during a sandstorm. Uh, there's some shots of it out there if you ever are interested in looking, but uh, they're all, you know, robed up and having some conversation in this horrible mess of cloudy sand all around them at the foot of the Millennium Falcon. But, uh, you know, Lando sort of thanks Han, and Han Han explains to him that the time that he spent in Carbon Freeze, which was like the amount of time between the movies, it's supposed to be like three years or something. Right. Um, he, he explains that you're not really alive or dead. You're just kind of in this state of... You know, like being in stasis, where I can't remember what exact his exact words are. He's like, 
but basically he's like, you, you know, you have a lot of time to think, you know, and he, I guess he just realized the things that were most important to him, you know, and uh, the people that mattered. So I, I think that I, it's a shame they cut that out because I think that sort of hmm. that scene sort of gives a lot of uh, credence to the shift in Han Solo's character. By the I mean, all of them have got that's one of the things I really love about Jedi is that the that it's not just the arc of everything that happens, you know, in in the course of the rebellion against the Empire. It's like the people's all of their characters change, like, com- like they completely develop by the end, you know, and you don't, without Jedi, you really wouldn't be able to see that. One of the things that I do really like about Jedi is that, um, you know, Luke's arc, that Luke is kind of, you know, becoming a Jedi. And, and you know, uh, people tend to complain sometimes about Mark Hamill's acting throughout the course of the trilogy, but I think he does get, you know, he starts out as like a whiny kind of young boy, then he gets, you know, a little, uh, a little better, a little more secure, a little more confident, a little stronger. And then by Jedi, he's totally, you know, uh, he is the kind of uh, not man child, but he's got that, you know, he is a kind of a farm boy, but he's also kind of stepping into this role as as a as a Jedi, as a protector mm-hmm. of the galaxy, and it totally works. I agree. I um, I mentioned this uh, recently in an email to you guys, but the the scene at the end, well. It's not really the end, but the scene when Luke um, he surrenders to you know to the Empire just to confront Vader. I thought that was very Jedi of him to do that. Whereas in the in the prequels, the Jedi's were just too busy fighting. You know, Yoda was flipping around, doing you know backflips and everything. But yeah. it just you know that did that to me. That wasn't being a Jedi it was it was more than that there was like a philosophy behind it and when when Luke basically just gave himself up and was just like here here's my weapon and even during the the lightsaber scene with Vader with the exception of the fact that he he drew the lightsaber first there were just you know various times during that scene where he would turn his lightsaber off and actually the the scene when he turns his lightsaber off and throws his lightsaber and says no I'm a Jedi like my father, you know, before me. Yeah. And it just, that's just so Jedi. And there's, I agree where like, he just really matured into, into being that character. Yeah. You kind of get that in, in empire, right? Like he's commander Skywalker, but he can, he can never really tell anybody anything about how things should be done outside of just hang on. Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. That's his advice. Just hang, hang on. Yeah. He's a little <laughs> over his head. In doing that. Either. <laughs> and then in, in, in Jedi, I do like his his kind of progress. Like, take that guy and then give him, you know, make him, you know, heir to the this line of of you know yeah. guardians uh, of, of the of the universe. You know, Anthony, what you were saying that that those kind of moments, I, I guess it is better written at the end. You know, I, I was saying I don't really feel that kind of dire i don't feel what's at stake in the scenes with you know vader luke and the emperor but there are some good you did bring up some good points there maybe because I, I said i was watching it recently but i didn't get that far into it i fell asleep about halfway through <laughs> i'm not saying i hate returning the jedi obviously it's you know there was a while where it's just every night i would cycle through the the trilogy and just put on star wars empire or jedi yeah. and and that would be you know end of the night i'd be back kind of wind down you know eventually probably fall asleep and just let it play the tape rewind it play it again yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I do find it soothing and comforting to a certain extent. But then, you know, despite there's a couple of cool things, it doesn't inspire that same kind of uh, fervor, that same kind of passion, you know, that was just like, ah, like, I love this part. Like, I love this part. Like, I'm, I'm saying that all the time when I'm watching Star Wars and, and Empire. You know, I don't watch them nearly as much as I used to. That whole thing that you were talking about, about always having one on, that was definitely happening for a while. But, you know, there's sometimes where I want to watch one of them or I want to put one on just to sort of revisit it or hear it or whatever. And uh, for a long time, that one was always Jedi. Uh, maybe because I got the... By doing that, I was able to get everything that had happened in one movie. So I didn't have to sit and watch all three of them to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. No. My favorite one is The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. But, well, uh, there was that, you know, we were talking about this earlier, that there was that kind of conventional wisdom changed yeah. where it was, you know, like Star Wars is great. And then like Empire was kind of weird. And then, you know, Return of the Jedi was a big, a big ball of fun. And then, uh, I mean, I, I tie it to it's it's around the same time, like you said, that people started thinking critically about Star Wars. It's it's you know people like us were going to college and discussing it, and and uh, you know the ball started rolling for getting you know those new toys came out. The special editions were kind of you know started to get kind of in the works. That's when you know I think you know people who grew up with it started kind of analyzing it differently, and and society changed a little bit too. But uh, we all changed a little. We bit. all changed. Mm. But then yeah. all, all of a sudden it became, you know, like, oh, Empire is the best one because it's so, you know, it, it's, real. It, it's real, it's dark, it's gritty. It's horrible things happen, by the way. Whenever somebody says that something is real, it means that, that the, the, the content is, uh, is, is, is depressing and, and horrible for everybody involved. Yeah. <laughs> and life is not always horrible all the time. <laughs> and sometimes people are happy. <laughs> sometimes good stuff happens. Who else is, was uncomfortable when they were younger watching Jedi, seeing Leia in the gold bikini? I was not. I was not. <laughs> really? I, I was really excited about that. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I, I felt kind I of. I think it's only you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, no. I just felt it, it just seemed weird to me. Yeah, I understand that feeling. I don't. Um, you know, while she was the kind of romantic lead, she wasn't really portrayed as a, a sex symbol or a sexual object yeah. to be. You know, all of a sudden, be like, hey. You know, like, here she is, Oliver. I think by the time I'd seen Return of the Jedi, I'd probably watched Conan the Barbarian about 30 times already. So Let's, let's talk about Lando for a second. I've, I've talked about this, I think, with some people who are a little bit younger. You know, we were barely old enough to kind of, you know, take in Empire and, and kind of understand what was going on to a certain extent. So you, you know, you saw Lando kind of sell out Han Solo. And then oh, you yeah. had, and then you had, much like Han and Carbonite, you had three years to think about that. <laughs> Except, as uh, as a five year old, five to eight year old, you know, it was not. I, I was nowhere near as magnanimous as Han Solo ended up being because it was just like, oh man, screw that guy! Like he he he, he screwed over Han Solo. Like what? Like why are we trusting him? Like I was still in that you know mode to a certain extent. I never had that as an issue. Yeah. Like I always, I just always understood that Lando was a good guy that that didn't have a choice. I never looked at Lando as being a, a villain of any kind. Yeah, me neither, actually. Well, because that's like you're more familiar. You have you know stronger memories, I think, of Jedi. He's already been kind of you know redeemed and accepted back into the club. But uh, I, like I feel you know not that he was evil, but I feel, you know he's kind of like slimy and not trustworthy. Not slimy. Like Han Solo. Skeevy. Yeah, but 
Yeah, well, he's a businessman, so... Han Solo never sold them out. He was... Yeah, I guess it is a different... It's, it's a similar kind of transformation, because they were similar characters. They even say the same lines to drive it home. Yeah. And dress alike. Yeah, they wear the same clothes. At, point. <laughs> at times, they even talk alike. And they both sort of don't pay attention to C-3PO. Yeah, and they both drink Colt 45. <laughs> I always like to believe, you know, like originally how... Uh, in one of the one of the early drafts of the script of Jedi, uh, they didn't get the shield down in time, and Lando wound up crashing the Millennium Falcon into the shield. Mm. That's why there's that whole bit where Han Solo is like, "I just have this horrible feeling, like I'm never going to see her again." Because well, he was he wasn't supposed to make it out in the original draft, right? Right. Like he did, um, like Lando and the Falcon, and presumably Nine Numb, which is kind of diff- sad. I hadn't actually thought about that, but they they yeah. end up uh, they end up. Dying, you know, not making it out of the Death Star on time and and exploding. Right. There's a lot of other things, like a, a lot of lines that never made sense to me. Um, at the end, when during the uh, the throne scene, when Vader said, "You know, if you don't turn to the dark side, perhaps your sister will." Why would Luke get mad? Like he knows that Leia's not going to turn to the dark side. Well, I don't know. I mean, she's less so, well trained at that point. Yeah, to, she in, know in the, these things. In yeah. the forest, so she's probably easier. You know, it's easier to steer her towards that path. Yeah, kill Luke, kill Han, boom. Yeah, he was really emotional then too. He's already frustrated. Yeah. Probably to evoke a response. I'm gonna eat your cereal, the one that you like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching you. <laughs> I'm not touching you. Quit it, Ned. All right, so that was what everybody had to say about Return of the Jedi. For now, I think, uh, obviously, like a couple of other topics that we've hit on, we're going to have to come back and, and revisit that one at least once. So, oh, yeah, we could have kept going for a while on that. Yeah, and, and I'm sure other people have stuff to say about it. So Yeah, I need to look for that uh, undercover biker trooper guy, the scout trooper yeah. that Anthony was talking about. Yeah, he's in there. I have never noticed that. We'll probably hit the other Star Wars movies first at some point, but we'll come back to Jedi again. And uh, and that's that. So hopefully, hopefully you found that entertaining. Not you, Adam, but everybody at large, everybody who's listening. Well, I enjoyed it. So. Well, it's good. Um, so we'll be back uh, in maybe two weeks or so with uh, a new episode. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Be really dumb if we like reposted an old episode. <laughs> right. We'll be back in two weeks or so with an old episode, one that you've already listened to. It's about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. No. Revisiting our first episode. No, that's, we're not going to do that. Oh. But one day we should get meta and just do a podcast about one of our podcast episodes. Oh, maybe we will. That'll be far in the future. Yes. We'll nerd out about ourselves. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, until that point, take care. Woo! Man, man, man,
<laughs> that was an explosion effect. Right. Sorry. Uh, hmm.